Well, good morning. And good morning to those who are joining us online. Well, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, a book of wisdom, and looking at a number of different topics. And this morning, Chris asked me if I would speak on the topic of work. And it's certainly a relevant topic because it's estimated that Americans spend 50% of their waking hours devoted to work. And as Chris said, I worked as a school teacher here in Worthington for 30 years and coached football during part of that time. And I quoted and shared many proverbs with my students, whether it was in the classroom or on the football field. And one of my favorites that I would quote to them was Proverbs 14.23, which says, All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. You know, I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed my students. Well, at least most of the time. After all, I did teach middle school most of my career. But I loved my students. But you know, but when you enjoy what you do, that's a blessing. It's a blessing from God. Because some people hate their jobs. They see work as a curse. And others are workaholics. They're consumed with their work. Their work has become their God. And there are some who are just lazy. And they'll do anything they can to get out of work. Well, this morning we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about work, the value of work, the importance of work, and what our attitude toward work should be. Before we get started, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this study in the book of Proverbs and for the wisdom and the discernment we gain from it. We thank you for your word, the truth of your word. We believe it's true. Lord, I ask that you'd speak to each one of us here this morning. And where there needs to be conviction, you'd bring conviction. Where there needs to be understanding and knowledge, you'd bring that. And where there needs to be encouragement, you'd bring that. So we ask you to open the scriptures to us this morning. You'd teach us from your word and give us grace to apply what you've shown us to our lives. And we ask for your blessing again upon this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing we learn from the Bible concerning work is, number one, God is a worker. In the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings, we find the origin of work. The Bible begins with God working. We see God with his hands in the dirt working, doing the work of creation, creating the heavens and the earth, creating the animals and creating mankind. The Bible says, for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And then we read in Genesis 2-2, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. Now, of course, God didn't have to rest. And I don't even believe he had to take six days to create the, the world. But he was setting an example for us, a model for us to follow, that we are to work for six days and then to have a day of rest and a day to remember and honor God. So we see that God was the first to do work on this earth. Listen, what the, listen to what Jesus said in John 5, 17. He said, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. Now think of it. Jesus said, my father is always working, and I am too. All through this last year, all through this pandemic, God never stopped working. He never stopped working in your life and the lives of millions around the world. 
But imagine if God ever stopped working. Do you know what would happen? This world would fall apart. Colossians 1.17 tells us that it is Jesus Christ who holds all of creation together. The reason why we are here and the reason why we exist is because God is always at his work. If God were to ever stop his work, nature would fall into chaos and sin would overrun the world. In fact, do you know why you're a Christian? Well, you might be thinking, I'm a Christian because I repented of my sins and I, I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I asked him to come into my heart and my life. Yes, that's true. But why were you able to do that? You were able to do that because God was working in your life. And you follow Christ today because he continues to work in your life. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the Christians in Philippi, in Philippians 1.6. He said, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. We follow Christ because of God's work in our lives. It began, with the work of the Holy, uh, the, it began with the work of the Holy Spirit. Before we received Jesus, God was drawing us. He was wooing us to himself. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Then speaking of the Holy Spirit, in John 16, 8, Jesus said this, and when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. First, he convicted us of our sin and our need for a Savior. And then he opened our eyes, eyes that have been blinded by the God of this world. That's the devil. And he opened our eyes so that we could see the truth of the gospel. And then he opened our hearts so that we could receive Christ, so that we could believe in Christ. Now, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, God may use the prayers of a mother or father. He may use a pastor's sermon or the words of a witness. But without the work of the Holy Spirit, we can never be saved. We can never have our sins forgiven. We can never go to heaven. We are saved because of the work that God has done in our lives, and we follow Christ because he continues the work that he began in us. And he won't stop working in our lives until he calls us home or until the day that Jesus Christ returns to this earth. And then secondly, the second thing we learn about work from the Bible is that God created us to be workers. So you see, since God is a worker, and because we were created in his image, he expects us to be workers. God created Adam and Eve, and he put them in a beautiful paradise, the Garden of Eden. And yet, even in this paradise, God gave man work to do. The Bible says in Genesis 2.15 that the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. And as we read on, we see that Eve was created to be by Adam's side, to be his, his companion and helper, to work with him. So from the very beginning, God has given all of us work to do. It was God who created work. And that means we can view work as a gift from God and something that can bring fulfillment and purpose to our life. 
Now, in the Bible, hard work is praised and laziness is condemned. So now, let's look at what Proverbs has to say about work. First, why should we work? Well, the most basic reason is so that we can survive, so that we can eat, pay bills, and provide for our needs. Proverbs 16.26 says, A worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. So a legitimate reason to get a job and to hold a job, whether we like it or not, is so we can eat, so we can provide for our needs. Listen to what Paul told the church in Thessalonica, in 2 Thessalonians 3.10. He says, For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. The one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. Now that's a pretty simple rule. No work, no eat. But realize that this wasn't spoken to those who couldn't find jobs. Oh, no. This was directed at people who had every opportunity to work, but refused to do so. Instead of working, they were idle. Instead of working, they were disruptive. Instead of being busy at work, they were busy bodies. So Paul told them to get to work and to earn the food they ate. Why are we to work? To provide for our needs and the needs of our family. And the Bible says if we don't provide for the needs of our we're worse than an unbeliever, and we've denied the faith. Now that's pretty serious. Proverbs 12:11 says, "A hard worker has plenty of food." You see, usually when we work hard, we're able to provide for all the needs of our family, maybe not all of our wants, but all of our needs. Now the second half of that proverb says, "But a person who chases fantasies has no sense." A hard worker has plenty of food, but a person who chases fantasies has no sense. Years ago, I knew a man who had a great job. He made great money, but he got involved in a multi-level marketing company, and almost every night he would have meetings, he would throw parties, trying to recruit people to get into the business under him. To the neglect of his wife, to the neglect of his children, and to the neglect of his walk with God. And I tried to warn him. But he would tell me, Mike, I'm doing it for them. And next month, I'm going to make it to the next level. He says, I'm going to make it diamond or director, whatever the level was, I can't remember. But he says, I'm going to make all this money. Then I'm going to be able to retire and spend all this time with my family. And he spent nearly all of his free time trying to build this business. And his dream of making it big was always just one more month away. And the next month would come. He says, I'm going to make it next month. But the next level never came. But what did come was a divorce from his wife. He lost his wife. He lost his children. He lost his home. He lost everything chasing a fantasy. Proverbs 28, 19 says, Those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. You see, sometimes we need to work our land, the job we have, being content, being thankful, seeing that our work is a gift from God and that it's from God. Now listen, I'm not not saying that we can't change careers. There may be a time we need to do that. Or I'm not saying that we can't go for an opportunity that presents itself. That might be a good thing to do. But we should ask ourselves, is this from God? Are my motives right? Is this God's will for me? 
Is it wise? Is it prudent? Or am I just chasing a fantasy that will lead to poverty? Again, one of my favorite Proverbs is Proverbs 14.23. All hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. And as I said, as a school teacher, I often quoted this verse to my students and football players because this is true in almost every area of life. Hard work brings a profit. Hard work brings a profit in, in sports. Hard work brings a profit in school. It brings a profit in our vocation, our job. Hard work brings a profit in marriage. Sometimes marriage takes work. Hard work brings a profit in our ministries. Study the life of the Apostle Paul and see how hard he worked. He said, we worked night and day. But in one way or another, whether it's a financial profit or a promotion or it's a product that's produced or just the feeling of a job well done, hard work pays off. But mere talk leads only to poverty. Just talking or dreaming about what needs to be done leaves us anxious about what should be done and brings no profit whatsoever. And then there is an eternal profit, an eternal profit, an eternal reward for all the work you've done in serving the Lord. Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you've shown your love to him by caring for other believers. You know, when I read that verse, I think of you. So many of you, you do so many things for others. And there's going to be a reward. God will never forget the hard work you've done for him. In fact, all the work we do should be done for the Lord. Which brings us to our third point. The third thing we learn from the Bible concerning work is that we should work as our boss. Work like God is your boss. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 says, In all the work you are doing, work the best you can, or work at it with all your heart. Work as if you were doing it for the Lord, not for people. Remember that you will receive your reward from the Lord, which he promised to his people. You are serving the Lord Christ. This verse reminds us that whatever our job is, whatever our work is, whether we scrub toilets or whether we're a CEO, ultimately we're working for the Lord. And when we come to believe that reality, it affects our whole attitude toward our jobs, whether we like our jobs or not. And when we realize that we're working for God, then we can say along with the Apostle Paul, whatever we do, whatever we do, we do it all for the glory of God. Of God. You know, it really doesn't matter what our job is. Whatever it is, we can work at it in such a way to bring glory to God. You know, the other day, Kelly and I got to thinking about all the different jobs I've done to earn money besides teaching and coaching. And we, st we, we started making a list. And now keep in mind, I made money at all these different jobs. When I was younger, my brother and I were shepherds. I had a hundred sheep. I raised sheep. I was also a farmer. I raised vegetables, produce, and sold it to grocery stores and markets and to um, a restaurant. And I went door-to-door -door selling vegetables, so I was a door-to-door -door salesman. I made money as an artist. Some people were surprised at that. But I painted murals. And uh, one time, uh, a country club asked me to paint a dolphin on the bottom of their swimming pool. 
And you know, it wouldn't have been a bad job if they'd taken the water out of the pool first. <laughs> Just kidding. But I made money as an artist. Now, I would have been, if I had to make my living that way, I'd have been a starving artist, no doubt, but I did do that. And I was a gardener. I worked in a greenhouse. I was a sign painter. I painted signs. I worked construction. I worked carpentry. I was a painter. And in my young years as a Christian, I was a bouncer. And God showed me I needed to change careers. It wasn't a good job. I worked as a janitor. I worked loading trucks. I even repaired sewing machines. But you know, when I think of all the different jobs people do, and how creative some of them are, the creative things people do, the unique things they do to make money. You know, I, I, I was reminded of a man I heard about long ago who lost his job. Times were hard. He lost his job. He couldn't find a job anywhere. Then he saw that they were hiring at the zoo. So he thought, well, I'll go and inquire about it. So he got there, and they said, listen, our gorilla died, and you know times are hard, and we can't afford to buy another gorilla. So we skinned our gorilla, and we made a gorilla suit. And here's the job. All you got to do is put on the gorilla suit, go in the cage, and act like a gorilla. And the man thought, well, gee, I don't know, but times are hard, and I, I can't find work anywhere. And besides, it pays well. So he thought, well, I'm going to give it a shot. So he puts on the suit, and he's just having a great time. The kids would come up and look at him, and he'd beat his chest, and they might throw him some peanuts. He was having a good old time. But one day he got careless, and he got a little too close to the edge, and he fell into the lion's cage. And this big lion came at him and roared. And the man began to yell, help, help, somebody help me, help me. And the lion came over and said, shh, shut up, you fool, or we'll both lose our job. <laughs> but you know, well, I've done a lot of things, but I've never wore a gorilla suit. But here's, here's the point. But whatever we do, whatever we do, whether it's the highest job or whether it's the lowest job, whether we're the president of a corporation or whether we're a mother at home taking care of little children. And by the way, that's the highest job. I don't know of any job more important than that. To be a mother, that's the highest job. But when we realize that our work is important to God, that it matters to God, and when we realize that our work is a gift from God, we can work at it wholeheartedly to bring glory to Him. Now, I realize this can be hard. We've all experienced the grind of work, and we can't wait for Friday to come. And there might be times we even hate our work and we want to quit. But it's all about perspective. When we see that our work is from God and we look at work from God's point of view, our attitude changes. We begin to realize that God does give us our work, and because of that, it has dignity and value. So we should work hard, take pride in our work, do the best we can, and develop our skills. Proverbs twenty-two twenty-nine says, Do you see people skilled in their work? They will work for kings, not ordinary people. Hard work and diligence brings reward and profit and glory to God. Now, the contrast is Proverbs 18, 9. The one who is slack in his work is brother 
to one who destroys. Interpretation, don't be a slacker. Don't be a slacker. It hurts our co-workers. And instead of bringing glory to God, it destroys our Christian witness in the workplace. And then when we work like God's our boss, we'll have balance in our work. Balance. Yes, we're to work hard. We're to do our best on the job, develop our skills. But there's a balance. Our work must never come before God. Billy Graham once wrote this. He said, our work was never meant to become the center of our lives. That place belongs only to God. Someone who brags about working 70 or 80 hours or more a week probably thinks he is the master of his job, but in reality, he has become its slave. You see, we can work too hard. Our work can become too important. Our work can become our God. We can work with wrong motives. God never intended for us to be workaholics, to pour our whole life into our work. Listen to what Proverbs 23.4 23, says. Now remember, this is the wisdom of Solomon, the richest man who ever lived, the richest man in the history of the world. And here's what he said. Don't wear yourself out trying to get rich. Be wise enough to know when to quit. In the blink of an eye, wealth disappears, for it will sprout wings and fly away like an eagle. Have you ever worked really hard trying to pile up a little extra money and then comes along an unexpected expense and you see that money just fly away, sprouts wings and flies away like an eagle? I know I have. Now again, nothing wrong with working hard. We should work hard. Nothing wrong with making money. Nothing wrong with having money. We need money. But here's the key. The key here is, don't wear yourself out trying to gain riches that won't last. Solomon said, be smart enough to stop. And he ought to know, again, he was the richest man who ever lived. Don't wear yourself out. It hurts our health. Stress kills us. We need rest. We need time with family. We need time with God. And if we're working so much that we don't have time with God, then we're out of balance and we're not in the will of God. You know, Jesus put it this way in John 6, 27. He said, don't work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. And of course, he's not saying we shouldn't work or be lazy, but rather his point is, is that we should be more concerned about eternal rewards than giving our lives to the things of this world that won't last. Now, when we see God as our boss, our work has new meaning. Our jobs have greater, you know, as a teacher, I started off as an industrial arts teacher, and then it became industrial technology, and then it evolved into technology, and eventually I taught with science teachers. But I remember my first years of teaching, and we were making screwdrivers to teach students the process of forging. Has anybody ever forged something? I don't see anybody. Uh, does anybody know what forging is? Okay, a few more. Well, for most of us, it's not exactly a life skill. But forging is when you put steel in a furnace, you heat it up till it's red hot, put it on an anvil, and beat it into shape with a hammer. But you see, these screwdrivers the students were making 
were going to be displayed in our project fair. That means they'd all be displayed, and the parents would come in and see the quality of the work, and that'd be a reflection on me as a teacher. So I strive for excellence, and I push the students hard. And I'll never forget this one time, this this was my first couple years of teaching, I had an eighth grade girl who was trying to forge her screwdriver. She'd taken it out of the furnace, put it on the ambulance, she started hitting it with the hammer, but she was hitting it at the wrong angle and just totally destroyed it. And, and, and I got upset with her, and she said, look, Mr. Fan, I said, look, I, I told you not to hit it at that angle. I went over that and over that and over that in the demonstration, and I got upset at her. And I'll never forget, just she, the tears just started coming down her cheek, and she burst into tears, and she ran out of the room to the bathroom. Of course, a couple other eighth-grade girls had to go with her because an eighth-grade girl can never go to the bathroom without another eighth-grade girl going with her. But I remember just feeling horrible. I felt terrible. And I came under deep conviction, and it was like God just hit me upside the head, and he said, Mike, what are you doing? You care more about that silly screwdriver and how it's going to look at the project fair than you care about the students that are making them. I just remember later just praying and saying, Lord, I want to change. Be a light in this school. I want to be a witness for you. Now, I still wanted to teach with excellence, and I still wanted my students to do the very best they could, but I remember my attitude started to change, and when they would mess up something, I would, I would laugh at them, and I'd joke with them. I'd, I focused on building rapport. And, and I remember... I had Bible studies before school and after school. I began to coach football so that I could have a greater impact in students' lives. We started a ministry called God Talk. And, and it was an outreach to students. And, and many parents got involved and, and teachers got involved over the course of the, of the ministry. And uh, there was a couple, several people from Linworth that also participated. Dale Schuler and Fred Stetz was a a part of that ministry and partnered together in the gospel. But we proclaimed the gospel through the course of that ministry to, I would say, over a thousand students, hundreds and hundreds of students. One time Tom Short came and spoke to them. And we partnered together in the gospel and many students came to Christ. And I tell you, that made my job more than just a job to pay the bills. That gave my job purpose. It gave my job real meaning and fulfillment. And I saw that my work was from God, and it was an opportunity for the gospel, that I was serving Christ through my work, and that God was my boss. You know, even Jesus worked to bring glory to God the Father. As a man on this earth, he worked as a carpenter. And at the age of 30, he began his ministry. He only had three years or three and a half years. And yet, while praying to the Father, Jesus said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. What was the work that God gave Jesus to do? Well, Matthew 9, it tells us that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. He cast demons out of people, He raised the dead, He healed the blind and the crippled, He fed the hungry. 
And he did all that out of compassion. But his greatest work was done on the cross when he bowed his head and he said, it is finished. It is finished. And what did he mean? He meant God's plan for our salvation was finished. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. He conquered sin. He conquered the grave. He conquered death. He finished the work that God gave him to do. And there's not one thing that we can add to that work except to believe. To believe in Jesus. To put our faith and trust in him. You know, in this world, in this world, we can get a lot of things through hard work. But you know what? All the hard work in the world won't get us to heaven. We're reminded of a very familiar verse in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not through yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now that word grace means something we can't earn, something we can't work for. We can't get good enough to get to heaven. We can't work our way to heaven, but yet so many think this is the way. I meet so many people that are trying to work and earn favor with God, trying to work their way to heaven. There were some in John chapter 6 with this idea, and they came to Jesus and they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And here's how Jesus answered. He said, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's the work, to believe in Jesus, to put our faith and trust in him. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Now that word believe implies commitment. It means we surrender our life to Christ. It means we commit our life to Jesus Christ and we trust in Him and in Him alone for our salvation. And if you're not sure that you've ever done that, not sure that you've really committed your life to Him, if you're watching online and you're not sure that you've ever made that commitment, and you can't say for sure, I know my sins are forgiven, I know that if I die today, I know I'm going to heaven, if you can't say that, but you'd like to be able to say that, and you'd like to be sure, you can make sure today. You don't have to wait. You can come to Christ right now. What do you have to do? Believe. Come with the faith of a little child. You don't have to clean up anything or do something good in order to find Christ. You do that after you've come to Christ. You just come to him just as you are, and you say, Lord, I'm a sinner and a person in need of a Savior. God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. But Jesus, I believe you're the Savior who loved me and died for me and rose from the dead. Now, I want you to come into my heart, into my life. And you can pray that prayer right now. In fact, just do it right now. If you're watching online. And make sure. And for us who know Christ, the greatest work that you and I could ever do is to proclaim the message of the cross, to proclaim the gospel, the gospel of God's grace. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said in Acts 20, 24. 
He said, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Do the work of an evangelist. And every Christian needs to be involved in that work in some way or another. Now, we have different gifts. Not everyone's an evangelist. But we need to partner together in the gospel. You may support the gospel financially. You may support the gospel through prayer. I never go to campus without asking people to pray for me. Durf and Diane Rush, my wife, I always text them and say, I'm going to campus, and they pray for me. And when I'm on campus and I'm speaking to students, I feel those prayers, the power of those prayers when I see how God is working in students' lives. And you know what? might not be an evangelist, but everyone has a testimony that we can share with others of how God has changed our life. Jesus said in 9.4, I'm sorry, Jesus said in John 9.4, he said, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. The night is going to come in our lives. We don't know how much longer we'll have the freedoms we do today to proclaim the gospel. We don't know how much time we have left in this life. Life is short. The time is brief. Jesus only had 33 years, yet there was a serenity in the work of the Lord Jesus. Only three years of public ministry, and it ended on the cross. And to the world, he was a failure at that moment. But at the end of his life, Jesus said, I have finished the work that you have given me to do. It's not the length of our life. It's the quality of our life. It's the quality of our work. Whether we live many more years or just a few, will our work be finished? Will it be finished? Will the work that God has given us to do be finished? Is there a quality to it? Is there a dedication to it? Are we a light for Christ? You know, this world just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. Do we shine for Christ? Are we a light for Him? Are we a witness for Christ? Listen, if that's what you want, then we must fill our hearts with the Word of God, as Chris spoke about last week. And when we know the Scriptures, and when we walk with God, and when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we'll have power to witness. And if we walk with God, we'll understand just how very little time we have left to invest in the kingdom of God. And we too can finish the work that God has given us to do. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the work you've given us to do, for our jobs, and for the ministry you've given us, and what you've called us to. Thank you that you call all of us ambassadors for Christ. What a privilege it is to represent you in this sinful and adulterous generation. Oh God, help us to shine brightly for you, to be a witness. Lord, that's what we want to do. And Lord, help us to finish the work that you've given us to do. And Father, if there's someone here right now 
and they're not sure they've ever committed their life to you, would you help them right now to believe, to just put their faith and trust in you, Lord Jesus, and what you did for them on the cross? And to say, oh God, I'm a sinner, please forgive me. But Jesus, I believe you died for me to pay the penalty for my sin. You rose again. I want you to come into my heart, into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. Help them to pray that right now, to surrender to you. Father, thank you for all that you've done in our lives. Thank you that there was a time when you were working in our life, you were drawing us to yourself, and that you opened our eyes, and you helped us to believe, you opened our heart. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for all your blessings and the work you've done in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for coming and joining with us. We hope to see you next week. Listen, if there's anybody that would like prayer, I'll be here for a while, so there will be other pastors as well. Come down. We'd like to pray for you if there's a need. And um, we'll close with a benediction. This is a verse that Nick shared a couple, several weeks ago maybe now, but it's so good and so applicable to our teaching today, I want to share it again. It comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 58. And it says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Amen. Have a good week, everybody. Shine for Jesus. We hope to see you back here next week.